Happy Mother's Day, and it is, uh, I love watching the kids sing. How about the, how about the kid right up front? Was that great, Jason? You have taught your son well. I mean, that was so entertaining. We had to bring him back out. James better watch out, because I think he's going to have a, uh, I think he's going to have a, James, I don't even know if you got to see him, but I think he's, I think he's going to, uh, he's going to be a clone of you. Uh, so anyway, this is fun. Did y'all, when y'all pulled in this morning, one of my favorite things this morning is I pulled in, and a guy from our church, did y'all see the, the red Mustang out front, uh, 1969, I think that God's calling him to donate that to me. And so uh, my daughter and I went out there and we were looking and I think Ricky's here somewhere, I know, but Ricky, I, that's just a prophecy that I'm going to give you. I'm kidding. It's not from the Lord. That's just for me. Uh, anyway, uh, I was looking at my preacher ca- preaching calendar just a few weeks ago and I saw that on May 10th, I had written down that today's message as we are going through our series, What Jesus Says About, I had on May 10th that I was going to be speaking on what Jesus says about money. And then I realized it was Mother's Day. And so in my great wisdom and knowledge, I thought, you know, if that a message on money on Mother's Day would probably go over like a lead balloon. And so you will be happy to know that I have, uh, I made some adjustments to my, uh, to my calendar. But there is no doubt Mother's Day is a huge event. I mean, it's a huge event for us. It's a huge event in America. I mean, it's one of those, you know, it is over the years, it has become the uh, sacred holiday. Uh, there's actually a website that is dedicated to honoring mothers year-round. And so on the website, they talked about what a huge day Mother's Day is. It is a $16 billion industry. Is that crazy? I mean, absolutely unbelievable. It is, it is the biggest gift-giving day of the year, only behind Christmas. Uh, the, the telephone company says that the biggest peak or the biggest time of calls that they have occurs during Mother's Day. Now, the unfortunate thing for us guys is the biggest day of collect calls occurs on Father's Day. So I hadn't figured that one out yet. But there is no doubt that Mother's Day is a big event. They say that on average people spend about $152 a person on their mother. And so if you've not done that, then I want you to know that you are below average. And so you probably want to get out and do a little bit more spending. But needless to say, Mother's Day is really, it's, it's become a, it's become really sort of like the sacred holiday. And I think part of the reason why is for those of us who have grown up, now that we, we get older, we begin to look back and we realize how much grief, you know, we put our mothers through. And so we're trying to make up for it. We're trying to do whatever we can in order to tell our moms that we are thankful for them because some of you who gave the most grief, you yourselves are now mothers. And so what you want is you want your kids to do the same thing for you that you are presently doing for your, for your mom. Well, today in our scripture, what we're going to do is we're going to examine the story of a man named Moses. You might think, well, what does he have to do with Mother's Day? Well, a little bit more than maybe you think. Now, typically, whenever we talk about Moses, uh, there's some things that just naturally come to mind for me. I mean, I think of Moses as the guy that, you know, he split the Red Sea wide open. Uh, Moses is the guy who led the Hebrew people out of Egyptian captivity. But his story like all of our stories, began all the way back with his mother. And it's from the story of Moses and his mother that we're going to be able to glean some, some traits 
of, of a lady who was a godly mother. And I think that those traits that we can see in her life are still applicable to us today. And so that's why we're going to look today in Exodus chapter 2. And so if you have your Bible, it's this great book to try to find. It's the second book of the Bible. And so you can go to the book of Exodus. We're going to look in, in chapter 2, and in just a few moments, we're going to look in verse number 1. Now, the background of what's happening in this passage of Scripture is that at this time, the Hebrew people, they were living in Egypt. They've been in basically Egyptian captivity for about 400 years at this point. And so this is when, you know, this is when Moses is born. Now, whenever the people first came to, came to Egypt, the Hebrew people came there, you might remember Joseph was the guy who was the prime minister of Egypt. He was a, he was a Hebrew himself. And so the people came down there because they were undergoing a famine. But once they got there, I mean, it was a population explosion. And the, the, the Jewish people grew in numbers so great that the Pharaoh said, we got to control these people or they're going to take over our country. And so what they did is they, they enslaved them. And so they were in slavery, but once they enslaved them, their numbers continued to grow. And so by the time you get to the Pharaoh in our text today, the way he wanted to solve the problem, he says every male Hebrew child that's born, that's two years and under, he says, let's get rid of them. Throw them into the Nile River or otherwise these people are going to take us over. And so that is the background that we have when we see this story taking place. And so as we began to look at our text, we see that it was a hostile environment but Moses had a mother who was a godly mother. And it was because she sought after God, because she had a heart for the things of God, that her son was able to grow up and become a young man who became a great man. And so, so how did it happen? I mean, what are some things that this mother had? What are some attributes or traits that she had? that showed that she was a godly mother. Well, let's just take a look at a few things today. First trait I noticed about Moses' mother is she was a lady who was prepared spiritually. As she is raising up her son and her family, she was a lady who was spiritually in tune with the things of God. Uh, now, if you go back in Exodus chapter 2 and verse number 1, it says, Now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. Okay, what does all that mean? Well, in verse number one, it says that a man married another woman who was from the same tribe. She was from, they were from the tribe of Levi. Now, you said, what's the tribe of Levi? Well, it was from the tribe of Levi where all of the priests, all of the high priests, all of the people who served in the temple and the tabernacle, this is the tribe that they came from. And so what we know about the tribe of Levi is that this was a tribe that was very dedicated to the things of God. They wanted to honor God in everything that they did. And so with that knowledge, one thing we know is that Pharaoh at this time had said, you are to eliminate all male children under the age of two. In Exodus 1.22, it says, Then Pharaoh commanded all the people, You must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. Now that is, that's a cruel command. 
They can't even imagine what that had to be like. But they were saying, if you have a son, then the first thing you do is you dispose of that child. Well, how did Moses' parents respond to this? Well, it's interesting. They responded to this by saying, we will not do it. We are going to honor God above Pharaoh. And, and we can know this because in Hebrews eleven twenty three in the New Testament, it speaks of this story. It says, by faith, after Moses was born, he was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they did not fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses was hidden because of Pharaoh's decree. Now, it says by faith. Now, here's my question. What was their faith in? It says by faith. What did they have faith in? Well, they had faith in God. They had faith in faith that, that God was true, that God would, would protect and God would bless. They had faith that God was going to raise up their son to be somebody special. Now, I look at that, and of course, I think pretty much every parent at some point thinks that their kid is the most special kid in the world, right? I mean, I look at people like, hey, what do you think about my baby? Isn't he beautiful? And I'm thinking, not really. Now, it looks like a wizened old man. Now, when I looked at my child, I think the most beautiful kid that's ever been born. I mean, I love the way my kids look. They look great. So we're kind of biased in that regard. But, it, but it's interesting that, that this family right here, they really believe God was going to do something great with their son. And I think, why would they think that? I mean, they're in captivity for 400 years. 400 years, that's a long time. After 400 years, they had to be thinking, where is God? After 400 years, they had to be wondering, does God even know where we are anymore? But this was a family who believed that God had a plan, that God had his hand upon this boy that had been born. And what I like about this and what I see about this is that Moses' mother was not just simply a lady who was related to religious people. She was not just a lady who talked about her faith. She was a lady who lived her faith. And she believed in the God of Scripture, and she trusted Him. You know, the best way to persuade people that you actually believe what you say you believe is to put into practice what you believe. Otherwise, what you say is not going to be, it's not going to be very convincing. You know, so you want, you really want, if you say, I, I believe in the Word of God, then you want to be, I mean, if you're going to prove it, you, you sell out to it and you show it. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. I don't know if this really fits here, but it made me kind of laugh, so I'm going to tell you. Uh, there, was a, there was a zoo that was well known for its, all of its exi exhibits for different kinds of animals. And in one of the exhibits, the gorilla had died. And they didn't want to shut down the exhibit, and so they hired a man to wear a gorilla suit. And they said, you know, just act like a gorilla, and I think everything will be fine. So the guy's wearing this gorilla suit, and he's just sitting there, and he's kind of, you know, jumping around, and people are walking through. As usual, everybody's always impressed with the gorilla. And so he kind of starts getting carried away, and he's getting a little more brave, and he jumps around and starts swinging around on a tree, and he loses his balance, and he falls over into the lion's cage. When he falls into the lion's cage, he looks up, and the lion is coming right at him, and that gorilla gets out of character and he begins to scream somebody get me out of here and he's crawling up screaming for help now as you can imagine people have never seen a talking gorilla before and so they're just kind of watching this guy like what is going on the lion runs over to him and the lion says man shut up or you're going to get us both fired 
Now, now, if you're going to really persuade people, then one thing you have to do is you have to, I mean, you have to stay in character all the time. And the same thing is true concerning our walk with God. You see, God doesn't honor what we say. God honors what we do. God honors how we live. Moses' mother chose God over Pharaoh. She chose obedience to the Lord rather than obedience to Pharaoh. Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Now, mothers, and, and for that matter, fathers, are, are you prepared spiritually where you're willing to say, I will be obedient to God and what he says in Scripture over man? And what people say and what people think. Because there's no doubt that life throws us a lot of curveballs. And if we're gonna, if we're gonna survive and if we're gonna see, if we're gonna see our kids walk down a path that's going to honor God, that's going to be pleasing to God, then, then we gotta make sure that we actually know God and not just simply know about Him. And then that's why I always encourage people, if you want to truly know God, get to know Him by, by looking at what His Word says. And I say, well, I, I just, I don't have time to do that, or I'm, I'm not real sure, you know, how to do that. You know, one of the easiest things that are a big help to me is that I've actually got an app on my phone, a Bible app, that has a reading plan on it that helps me. I can just pull out my phone and begin, begin to read Scripture. And then once I begin to read it, the real challenge is actually to put into practice what that Scripture says. And that's what we see with Moses' mother. She was a lady who didn't just simply talk about her faith, she lived her faith. Now, now, what's a biblical trait of, of a mother? Well, she was prepared spiritually. Another trait I noticed about mothers, uh, Moses' mother is she was also prepared to protect. Now, a, a biblical trait of a mother is a mother who is protective. Now, when you see this, I think, pretty, pretty well whenever you look in verse number 2, it says, And the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful... She hid him for three months. Now, it is a mother's instinct, me speaking as an expert on women, to protect. I mean, it is a mother's instinct to watch out for her kids. If you want to get on the bad side of a mother, like just like really quick, say something bad about her kids. I mean, don't y'all, would you agree with that? I mean, man, I, you can really, you can heat up, you can tick off a woman really fast when you start messing with her kids. I, I still remember when I was, when I was a kid, I was, my sister was playing basketball and I was at a game and I was sitting in between my mom and dad. And my sister was, she was going into the game, she had a ponytail and the coach sent her in and obviously the coach changed her mind when she sent my sister in because she was going to call her back and she reached out and she grabbed my sister's ponytail and yanked back. My sister's head just went snapping back, and my mother went shooting straight up out of the seat. Mom was going down. I'm, I will say she would die if she was in here. I guarantee she was going down there, and she was going to take somebody out. And so she jumped up. Dad had to kind of grab onto mom and kind of calm her down a little bit. Now that is, you know, that, and, and if, if mom got in a fight with him, I'm putting my, if y'all knew my mother, I'm putting money on mom in a cage match. I mean, she is a tough lady. Now, that's just something that mothers do. Mothers do whatever they can in order to protect their children. Moses' mom does the same thing. 
She knows that her son's in danger, so what does she do? Well, she protects him. And she does this by, by keeping, her, keeping her son inside of the home. Remember, you know what her job's to do? It's to throw her son into the Nile River. What does she do? She says, I'm going to keep him inside the house. Why? Because she knew he'd be safe there. She knew that he was going to be surrounded by people that loved him and that cared for him. Not only that, but inside of her home, she knew that it was a family that trusted in the leadership of God's word. See, the, the best protection that we have in life is to live within the teachings of God and what Scripture says. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, now what awaited Moses outside of his home? I can tell you what it was. It was death and destruction. If he goes outside of his home, what's going to happen? to him? They're, they're going to take him. They're going to throw him into the Nile River. Now, I'm willing to guess that most moms want to protect and shield their kids from this world for as long as possible. Now, now listen to this. Biblical teaching and parental love is a way that you can begin to build a fortress around your kids to shield them from the things and the dangers of this world. That's why we are told in the book of Proverbs, it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, even if, you're, even if your child begins to stray away from what you've taught him, at least if you've been teaching him the foundations of Scripture, you've given him a map so that he's going to be able to find his way back. You've given him a map so that he'll be able to, to, to get his relationship and his walk back to Christ. So what's, what's your job? What's our job? Our job is to constantly teach our children what God says. To ingrain it in them over and over and over again. Why? Because God's word is truth. God's teachings lead to life. They lead to hope. They lead to eternal life. And as you constantly ingrain the things of God into your children, what you're doing is you are building up a foundation in their lives. You are giving them basically like a muscle, muscle memory in knowing what is truth and what is not. Now, now what exactly is muscle memory? Now, one thing I enjoy doing that I'm not, I, I enjoy playing golf, but I get really frustrated at it. And the reason why is because I just, my, the natural things that I want to do in golf are not right. And so if I'm, going to, if I'm going to swing a club correctly, what I have to do is I have to get somebody who knows how to do it, first of all. And then I have to get him to show me over and over again the correct swing. And then my job is to practice it over and over again. And, and the idea and the hope is as I practice the correct swing over and over again, it becomes like muscle memory. And I, as I practice it over and over again, all the bad habits that I have, I, I, I move away from those things and I just simply do the things and hang on to the swing that is the correct swing. And before long, that swing will become second nature. It becomes a part of my muscle memory. We want to teach our kids the things of God so that it becomes second nature to them to know the path that God wants them to be on. It's Moses' mother. She wanted to protect her son to show him the things of God. And whenever I look at some traits of a godly mother, I see that she's going to be spiritually prepared. She's going to be prepared to protect. And this is the last one. 
A godly mother, trait of a godly mother, she's going to be prepared to let go. A godly mother will be prepared to let go. Now, look with me in verse number, let's see, verse 3. It says, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch, and she placed the child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him, and Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked among the riverbank, or walked along the riverbank. And seeing the basket among the reeds, she sent her slave girl to get it. When she opened it, she saw the child. It was a little boy crying. And she felt sorry for him and said, Hey, this is one of the Hebrew boys. Then her sister, his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and call a woman from the Hebrews to nurse the boy for you? And verse 8 says, Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. You know, I think one of the greatest struggles that a mother or that even a father has with their children is coming to that time, coming to that day when they let their child go. You know, when they let their child go out into the world, because I think our, our, the natural instinct is I always want to be with my kid. I always want to be tremendously involved in their life because if I'm, if I'm there with them all the time, then I can, I can protect them. I can keep them away from all the bad stuff in this world. But there comes a time, you know, when it's, when it's time to let go. There comes a time when you have to let them go on their own. And that's a difficult thing to do. Now that, but that is a part of the job of a mother. It's the job of a parent. It's to, it's to prepare your kid to live life, you know, without you. And there's a, there's a logical reason for this. I mean, statistically speaking, your children are going to outlive you. And so one thing that you want to do is that you want them to be able to survive whenever you are no longer around. You want them to be able to make decisions and wise decisions whenever you are no longer there with them. Well, whenever I look into our text, we see Moses' mother came to a place where she had to let her child go. She had to do it. And the impetus for this is seen back in verse number 3. It says, and when she could no longer hide him. Now what's up with that? She could no longer hide him, why not? Well, my guess is, like any kid, you know, the older they get, the bigger they get, the louder they get, and they're in dire straits. If the Egyptians would have heard this son inside of their house, they are coming into the house, they're going to take that child, and they are going to kill that child. And so Moses' mother knew, I have to let let this kid go. Now, she didn't just like open up the door and stick him on the door. I mean, he's still a little kid. He's a three-month-old kid. She didn't just stick him on the doorstep and say, hey, good luck, I hope you make it, and then walk back in. What'd she do? She prepared her child the best she could to survive. Our text today says she took him, she put him in a basket, says that she, she covered that basket with, uh, with asphalt and pitch. She did this because she was going to put him in the Nile River. And asphalt and pitch would waterproof that basket. She was trying to get him to be able to survive any way she knew how. And so she put the kid in the basket and then had her son put in the Nile River. Now let me tell you something. She did not know what was going to happen. The only thing she knew is I... There comes a time when I have to let go. Mothers, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, your job is simply to prepare your child the best you know how. But the fact of the matter is, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't, I mean, you don't, we don't know where our kids are going to live. We don't know what kind of job they're going to have. 
Um, you know, we don't know what kind of, uh, you know, woman our sons are going to marry. And if you have daughters, you don't know what kind of an ape your daughter's going to marry. There's just a lot of different things that, that you don't know. But what you do is you prepare your child the best you know how, and you let him go. You do the best you can so that he can navigate through this life on his own. Now, most of us already know this, but man, it's hard to do. Well, what do we do after we do that? Well, then you just simply leave it up to God. Say, God, I've done the best I know how. I'm putting him in your hands. I'm going to let him go. And that's what Jochebed, that's Moses' mother's name, that's what she had to do. She put her kid in a basket, she let him go. Now, she knew she did not want the Egyptians to kill her son. So she just simply put him in a basket and said, God, I put him into your hands. You know, that, that is actually the best thing we can do. Is to prepare our children and say, God, I, I've done the best I know how. God, I, I'm putting my child in your hands. Now, why is that the best thing to do? Because we typically think, well, if I'm there with them, I'm going to be able to protect them. If, I, if I'm there with my kids, I'm going to be able to watch over them with extra care that maybe God can't do. That's, that's absolutely not true. When we, when we put our children into the hands of God, it is then that God is able to do and work so much greater than we can. We're told in Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who's able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God's plans for us, his idea of life is so much bigger than what I could ever even ask for or imagine. And it's true in, it's true in Moses' life. Moses' mother, she just wanted to be safe. But what did God do? God protected the kid. They put him in the Nile River. He floats down the river. And who's down there bathing in the river? It is Pharaoh's daughter. Now, Pharaoh's daughter could have said, kill that kid. What did she do? She felt sorry for him. And she adopted that child into her own home. And here's what's interesting to me, is that here she is, she is the daughter of a man who wants to wipe out the Hebrews, and she ends up raising one of them, who rises up to eventually to become the man who leads the Hebrew people out of Egyptian captivity. Guys, let me tell you something, only God could do something like that. Only God could do that. He, he does more than we can even ask for or imagine. There's a pastor in New York that I, I really like his work. His name is Timothy Keller. And he was talking about when his life was changed in 1970. He said, I was in a Sunday school class, and there was a teacher talking about the greatness of God. And she talked about the universe and how God is the creator of all things. And she said, do you realize that the distance from earth to the sun is 92 million miles away? She said, now, if you, if you said that, well, so if, you, if you allowed that to represent, that 92 million miles to represent a sheet of paper, the thickness of this paper, she said, now, that would be the distance from the earth to the sun. She said, the, first, the, the distance from the earth to the very first star would be a stack of papers like this, 70 feet high. And she said, and yet the galaxy is simply a speck in all that's been created. And she said, now if you know that, she said, would you ask the God who created all of this to come, come into your life in order to be the assistant? Or would you ask him to come into your life in order to be in charge of it? I mean, it'd be pretty arrogant to say, hey God, I mean, I know what you've created, but once you come join me 
and I'll let you have, you know, I'll let you give me a little bit of advice here and there. Guys, the best thing that we can do is seek after the God who is bigger and better and more, more capable than anything we can even imagine. Moses' mother came to a pleasure. He said, God, I, she said, God, I don't know what else to do. I'm just simply going to turn my son over to you. And what did God do? He raised up her son to split the Red Sea. He raised up her son to give the people the Ten Commandments. He raised up her son to lead his people out of captivity after over 430 years. He raised up her son to prepare them to go into the land of promise. Mothers, you have precious cargo at home. It's your children. And one of the best things that you can do is to be a mother who is spiritually prepared. A mother who is prepared to protect. And a mother who is prepared to let go. Let go and say, God, here is my child. I've done the best I know how. Take his life, take her life, and use it for your glory. Now let me close with this. Are you prepared? Because my guess is there's probably some of us who say, man, that all sounds great, but I need to be prepared spiritually. And if you need to be prepared spiritually, my challenge for you is to just simply call out to God and say, God, I, I want to give myself to you. Jesus, I want to follow you. I, I trust that you lived and that you died and that you rose again. I trust that you can take my sin and forgive me. And I want to move away from it. And I want you to have charge of my life. And if you need to call out to God like that, do that. Just simply pray to him. It will be the best thing that you will ever do. And it will be the greatest example that you can ever give to your children.